You like things just so. So do we. The Bank of Clark is the bank for that. We all have an inner perfectionist who deserves things done their way. Maybe you like to bank in person. Maybe you prefer to bank online. We get it. From banking to lending to wealth management, we're all about getting things done just the way you like them. We're the bank for that. Find out what banking designed for you is all about. Visit your local Bank of Clark branch today or go to bankofclark.bank. We're the bank for that. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. So I actually started following you like I think like six years ago, seven years ago maybe. Really? I'm pretty sure you were still doing bikini shows. Well yeah, you were still doing yeah, bikini shows. I was definitely doing bikini shows at that point. Is it? Yeah, that is on. Yeah, that's crazy. Um and then it probably doesn't say that on Instagram. It would have said like two or three years ago whenever my accounts got deleted um when I was in Thailand. So obviously then I had to like refollow everybody. So I'll only say like two or three years. But yeah, I remember you doing some bikini shows, which is which is cool. Yeah. Um I don't remember how actually like I originally found your account. It was that that long ago, but I think it was probably just like I did a I did a junior men's physique comp when I was like eighteen, and then you were just like trying to follow everyone in the industry to like learn from basically. And so yeah, that's how I first that's how I first started following you. Yeah, it seems like a bit of a past life, my yeah. bodybuilding days. Um, how long ago was it when you competed? I would have been nearly nineteen or just turned nineteen. I'm twenty seven now, so like eight years ago. Right. Nice. So yeah, a while. Yeah. Gone a while ago. Yeah, it feels the same. It doesn't feel like <laughs> doesn't feel like that was me at all. Yeah, it's so strange because I'm such a different person now to what I was at the time. So it literally feels like a different life. It's not that I regret it, but I'm just so different now to what I was. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's a, a great kind of segue for today's conversation. So obviously, as you say, like in your bio, it's all about kind of restoring your health and that life like post-dieting uh, period and that's an incredibly important conversation because obviously there are so many girls that are whether they get on stage or not right they're dieting to quite kind of extremes and that's not always sustainable and, and healthy so yeah just tell us a little bit about your journey with that like what made you interested in bikini comps in the first place and, and how have we ended up here where you now work with clients to kind of restore that life post-show yeah so I got into sport from a very young age I started playing football when I was 12 and I was the kind of person through my teens who threw myself into everything. I was part of like every sport team. I did running, football, gymnastics, trampolining. And then as you get into your late teens, obviously you lose touch with a lot of those sports teams and you sort of fall out of it a little bit. And I started training. Well, I started, tra I say I started training when I initially started training when I was about 14 15 years old I went to a local gym with my mom and I did what everyone does and just did you know five or ten minutes on a cardio machine and then did the basic resistance machines that I knew how to use and navigate um I wasn't following any sort of structured program or anything like that and then I fell into doing have you heard of Kayla at Signs um yeah yeah that sounds familiar on Instagram she had guides called the BBG Really? So I started doing those at like 10 p.m. at night in my bedroom um, most days and also started going to the gym alongside that. And as my sports sort of died down a little bit, I invested more time into training and that sort of replaced that. And then I joined a gym on my own when I like became the age where you're actually allowed to join a gym because that was when I was going with my mom. Um and I started going to all the classes. I started resistance training. I started following some workouts on bodybuilding.com. And I was in the gym all the time. So by the time I'd done my sort of A-levels, the gym manager had said to me, 
if you ever want a job here you've got one by the way so I was originally going to go to uni and do sport and exercise science I had an offer but I was like hang on a minute is this really the right thing for me and I could just go into personal training straight away so I decided to do my PT course and after about must have been about six months of, of working as a PT obviously whilst I was resistance training I'd started to develop muscle tissue and one of the other PTs said to me look have you ever thought about competing um and at the time I had heard of bodybuilding I'd followed quite a few like YouTubers like Nikki Blackter some of the like OGs and it appealed to me so I was I was I always had a competitive streak to me so I was like why not this is the next challenge it's an opportunity to push myself see what I'm capable of and it's probably an opportunity to put myself through a a similar process to what my clients would go through as well so I decided to start bodybuilding pretty much started my first prep straight away um with no real structure before that which was probably a bad mood move but anyway and then did my first season in 2016 my first show I I would say that I wasn't in true condition and I loved it um but it wasn't the prep wasn't anywhere near as like extreme as what my preps were towards the end and bodybuilding at the time was very much a part of my life rather than something that consumed me and I had a very knowledgeable coach who I learned so much from so the whole process was enjoyable and it wasn't so extreme um but then I competed again in 2017 2018 and took 2019 as an improvement season and my last season was 2020 and the further into bodybuilding I got the more extreme it got and the more sacrifices I made from a health perspective and also the more I realized how detrimental it was because in my first sort of season I didn't quite realize how much like losing my menstrual cycle for example would have an impact on my health I was quite naive to that and I suppose at the time I was kind of like well if I if I don't have a period it's not the end of the world it's quite convenient really and I think at the time a lot of people were wearing that sort of thing as a bit of a badge of honor whereas now people are much more aware of the negative effects that come with that so yeah the further into my bodybuilding journey I got the more extreme it got and it very much started to consume my entire life like towards the end it was all I thought about all of my friends my boyfriend at the time were bodybuilders and I'd very much just come become the stereotypical bodybuilder who was like tracing their pro card it was my entire life and I was like wait I've lost a lot of myself here and like what am I actually doing this for anymore so that's where I really started to question that and then came away from it but yeah it took me a long time to do that and I think sometimes you don't realize what you're doing until you take a step back and the impacts of what you're doing until you take a step back um and my initial reason for getting into personal training was I always loved helping people and I wanted to help women progress towards their goals whilst actually improving their health and quality of life but the further I got into bodybuilding I then started to coach bodybuilders as well because it became my entire life but I always had this sort of like inner internal conflict when I was coaching bodybuilders because I cared so much about my clients but I was pushing them through this process that I knew would have a negative impact on their health so I kind of once I realized that bodybuilding was no longer right for me I then took a step back from coaching competitors as well because I realized that wasn't right for me and I feel like I came back to my original values my original reason for getting into the industry as opposed to like getting lost and just going with the flow and doing what everyone else is doing yeah I love that 
That must have took a lot of courage because, I mean, you create an identity around it, right, as a person, but also a coach. And I imagine at first you probably lost quite a lot, like friendship groups, clients, when you took that that step away. Yeah, 100%. And I mean, I, I still have a really good relationship with all of the clients that I did coach and prep and they were so understanding. So I'm so grateful for all of them for being that way. Um, but it was a really hard decision because it was my entire identity, both personally and professionally. And in 2020, I also went through a breakup with um, a guy who was a bodybuilder as well. So it was like, it kind of felt like my life had been flipped upside down. But I knew that pushing through that discomfort was what I was supposed to do and would get me to a place where I was truly happy again. And I was actually acting in line with my values. Um, so yeah, it was difficult at first, but I knew that it was going to be worth it. And at the time when I was still coaching competitors, but I knew it wasn't right for me, I was waking up every single day feeling anxious. So I knew that something had to change. And immediately as I made that decision and told all my clients, I felt like a weight had been lifted off my shoulders. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. I know that, that kind of can be difficult to, to talk about. And that was kind of going to be my next question, which you just kind of answered is, what was it that made you realise you weren't kind of living in line with your values? And, and you've just said like you're waking up feeling anxious every day, which obviously is not <laughs> Pretty good. Pretty much, especially it got to that, that sort of time was towards the end of a bodybuilding season where I had a lot of clients competing. And so every single day I was waking up to a lot of client check-ins because it was their peak weeks and things like that. So at the very end of their preps when they're the most malnourished and the most unhealthy so that was causing me a lot of conflict and feelings of anxiety so I was like something needs to change and when it comes to myself I sort of I came to the realization because I did my shows in 2020 and I kind of didn't feel the same feeling of like accomplishment and I didn't enjoy the show days anywhere near as much as what I had done previously and I was like oh like something's changed here this has maybe become something that is taking more from me than it's actually offering me because I'm not getting that feeling of this prep has been 100% worth it um and I'm not getting those feelings of excitement and accomplishment anymore so that sort of changed and my attitude towards the process changed and I think that was largely because in that last prep like a lot of people I used it as a bit of a coping mechanism as well because I was going through that breakup so I fully immersed myself into it and that created quite like a, a negative relationship with it and I just shut off from everything. Yeah, it's uh, it's really interesting to hear you reflect on that because, yeah, like so similar. For me, there was such an internal conflict yeah. when it was like I felt anxious about my client check-ins who are competitors because it was like, obviously, they you feel a lot of pressure. They want to be ready on time. They want to do well. But you know that really you're pushing them to a point where like this isn't good for their health. And that, that was just, yeah, it just felt crap. <laughs> yeah, and it's a bit, it's a mental battle, isn't it? Because like I was coaching a lot of competitors who had a lot of potential as well. So obviously I wanted them to achieve their goals and I wanted them to win their shows and stuff because I knew that was what they wanted. But it still made me feel really uncomfortable doing that. I don't know if you felt the same. Yeah, 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 literally that. And I was like, yeah, it just didn't align. As you've said, it just didn't align, align with my values as a coach and, and why I got into the industry. So for anyone that kind of thinks whether whether they're a coach or whether they're you know just a person that's like, okay, I'm dieting, whether that's for a show or not, and they're maybe thinking the same. They're like, I'm not sure if this aligns with my values. Is there like, was there any kind of process that you went through in terms of getting clear on what those values were and like helping you identify them? Yeah, I think, first of all, if you ever feel that sort of feeling of internal conflict, it is quite likely that you're 
a bit out of alignment and something needs to change so trust that feeling like trust your intuition um and then when it comes to identifying what your values are first of all like a good starting point is just like go online have a look at what some core values are and like have a think okay which ones stand out to me which ones am I drawn to but then you need to get more specific so something that I often get clients to do is think about as they're going through their life okay if they ever feel a moment of like peace and joy and like true happiness write that moment down on the notes in their phone and then the reverse of that if they're ever in a scenario with a person or like doing something that makes them feel like drained or unhappy um, or angry or irritable then again make a note of that and then you can have a look back at that over time and you'll have this list of things that makes you feel good and makes you feel like you're your best self and you'll have this list of things which does the opposite and that can really help you narrow down what your values are and then you can work from there and use those as a bit of a compass as you navigate life yeah that's really smart people don't write that stuff down enough do they no yeah i love journaling so valuable. um and that's a quick way of getting clients to kind of like think about writing things down without it feeling like a massive task because they just get the notes on their phone up and write yeah. something quick down when they notice they're feeling a certain way without them having to be like, I'm going to spend half an hour journaling in my written journal. So I think it can be a good starting point and a good way for people to recognise what makes them take and what makes them feel good. Did you find that when you said to your clients, hey, not coaching competitors anymore, sorry, and you explained why, did any of them turn around and go, do you know what, actually that's been a bit of an awakening for me. I think you're right, like this yeah. doesn't align with my values either. Please keep coaching me lifestyle. Or did they all go, cool, I'm carrying on with yeah it's so funny you should say that because one of my clients in particular stands out who I still coach now she won't mind me saying this because we've spoken about it on my podcast she's called Tamsin and she was gonna compete again and then when I said that she was like oh actually I just want to work with you she was like can you carry on coaching me I was like yeah of course I can I mean I'd said to all of them like I'll carry on coaching you as long as you want I just won't take you through your next prep so if you want to do like an improvement season with with me, you can. So she said, I'll stay on. I'll see how I get on. And she's not compared to this day. And she realized that that wasn't the right goal for her. Um, so that's been quite like amazing to watch, really, because it it's hard. It, like, I suppose it just goes to show that you as a coach can have quite a big influence on your clients. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's crazy isn't it I think I don't know about you but like I think we've been coaching a similar amount of time like a really long time in a way but also not like too long yeah and it took me so long to get my head around the fact that like clients kind of value your opinion of them yeah. and want your approval in a way and like place a lot of weight on the words you say a lot of people come up to me and they'll be like do you remember when you told me this when we were at David Lloyd which is where I first started when I was like 18 I'll be like I don't remember saying that to you and yeah. they'll like remember what I've said to them about a cappuccino like this woman literally came up to me the other day so I went back to David Lloyd and she was like you were the first person that told me that there was like calories in a cappuccino versus like an Americano and like bear that in mind and I was like how do you remember that? Yeah, it's so funny. I think a lot of the clients I worked with one-to-one back in 2015, they still follow me on social media. And every now and again, one of them will reach out and say, by the way, I just want to tell you how much of an impact you had on my life. Like I'm still training. Um, and you know what you did for me has changed my life. And I'm like, I can't believe you even remember me. Like yeah. I remember every single client that I've ever coached down to a T. But often you think, oh, they won't remember me like I was just their trainer. But they actually do. And that's that's really lovely. And I still actually coach one of my first ever clients, one of my first ever one to one clients. 
Yeah, I love that. Yeah, yeah, same. I've got loads and it's a really nice feeling, isn't it? And yeah. Sounds really cliche, but there there is a lot of responsibility that, that comes with that. I think most coaches, like a, a great lesson for them would be to realise like how much responsibility and, and power you do have. Yeah. A hundred percent. And it's incredible, but you've obviously got to use it correctly. Um, <laughs> there are a lot of people in the industry who don't do so. Yeah. But obviously, you kind of did the, the right thing by yourself, your values, and it sounds like by some of your clients as well and helping them to realise that maybe it wasn't kind of right for, for them. Um, so anyone that's listening to that and goes, OK, yeah, maybe that sounds like me too, like whether it's a coach wanting to prep clients or whether it's an, an individual potentially looking to compete. Um, like what would you say to them if they feel like, yeah, maybe I'm, this isn't for me anymore, but I don't really know how to step away. Maybe it's because I feel like a failure. Maybe I feel like I'm letting my coach down or yeah, any advice you could kind of give to that person in terms of how, how to step away. Yeah, I know it's a really difficult process to go through and a really difficult decision to make, especially if competing has been your entire life for years on end and it's something that you've identified with. But the first thing I'd say is to take the pressure off. Remember that like you don't have to announce anything to the world. You can make this decision silently and that's why I did it first I, I was like right okay I'm just gonna you know I'm not gonna announce that I'm taking a step back on social media I'm just gonna kind of experiment with different training styles allow myself to take a little bit of a, a step back you know kind of make that decision in my head but see how I feel having made that decision and not announce it on social media so yeah don't be afraid to make the decision silently and remember that you can always change your mind like nothing is ever set in stone so that can be really reassuring because if you decide to take a step back from competing or coaching competitors, you can always go back to it, especially if you if you don't announce it to the world. It's so easy to then go back into it. So remembering that you've got nothing to lose and you've got so much to gain if you feel like it, it is the right decision for you to take that step back because you're not going to be able to feel, perform and function as your best self personally or professionally if you are acting out of alignment and if you're not doing what's right for you. Um, even when it comes to, down to me waking up feeling anxious every day, like you're not going to be able to make the best decisions professionally. You're not going to be able to show up as your best self within your check-ins, within client calls, things like that for friends, for family, if you're feeling anxious every day. So you've got to do what's right for you. And also I think something that's really reassuring is that, First of all, a lot of people will respect you for doing what's right for you and making hard decisions. And second of all, people care way less. I know it sounds brutal, but people care way less about yeah. you than you actually think. And they probably Which I won't. Find so empowering. <laughs> yeah. But it's great. It's such a yeah. great fact because you think that you making the decision to move away from competing is going to be the end of the world and everyone's going to notice. Everyone's going to be talking about it. But in reality, no one really cares. Yeah. Yeah. people and, have their own shit going on yeah people have got their own stuff everyone's so consumed with their own decisions and so yeah not as many people will notice and if they do they'll forget about it in a very short period of time and the people who do matter will respect you for that decision and will support you fully in that decision if it's right for you and people like people being open and honest and vulnerable so if you're open about maybe not as you're going through it but if you're open about your own journey and you share that you'll be able to have a positive impact on others through sharing that and you'll get people engaged in your own story or whatever it is have you found that yourself kind of being willing to be a little bit vulnerable and share that story um have you found that that's been like useful for you as a coach in terms of gaining clients gaining their trust getting them to communicate with you more yeah definitely and 
It's been good for me in terms of attracting the type of clients that are right for me. I think that people forget about that when they're trying to market their business. They're like, oh, you know, I'll just do X, Y, and Z because everyone does that and that's how you grow a business. But if you're marketing in a way that doesn't suit you and the type of clients you're trying to attract, you'll attract the wrong type of people and they will be very short-lived clients. Your turnaround will be very quick. Um, And it's like, would that really make you feel fulfilled? And is that really what you want? Or do you want to attract clients that are right for you, that are sort of in alignment with your own business values and what you want to put out into the world because they're the clients that are going to stick around over the long term who you're going to have a really good connection with and who you're going to really enjoy coaching so if you share your own journey I think you attract the right people for you and then that creates a much more fulfilling service and day-to-day life really yeah 100 percent. and as you said there as well it's actually a better business model it might be slightly less profitable short term yeah. but actually your attention will be better your as you said your alignment will be better so you'll be acting and showing up on social media and marketing in a you know a way yeah. that's more authentic and has more energy which means it's only going to be better for business long term anyway exactly and if i wasn't to have shared the journey that i've been through and i was just to have shot off like i wouldn't have been able to help people in the way that i have who have been through a similar journey or are going through a similar journey um, and they probably wouldn't be able to open up to me as freely. It's like I'll often get messages from people who are struggling post-show now or who have decided they want to take a step back from competing and are really struggling with that decision. And those people wouldn't have reached out to me if I didn't share the journey that I've been on. So, yeah, I think it's really, really valuable to to share that kind of thing. Yeah, hundred percent. You've got to be kind of prepared to lead from the front in that, don't you? If you're not, yeah. if you're not telling that story and being prepared to be vulnerable, you can't ask clients to be. Exactly. Um, something you mentioned earlier, which uh, is definitely a lot more talks about now, which is incredible. It's kind of the lost menstrual cycle, you know, being associated with competing, um, or even for some girls, not necessarily competing, but just dieting in general, they can lose it, unfortunately. And obviously, yeah, a lot more people are talking about that now, which is amazing. We kind of know that it is a problem and, and why it's a problem. But for anyone listening, that's like still not really too sure uh, yeah. what what that is why that happens or why I should care about it just just talk me kind of through that if that's okay yeah so obviously we as women have menstrual cycles and they can the regularity or um, our menstrual cycle function as a whole our, our hormone health as a whole can be impacted through dieting often as a result of spending periods of time in a state of low energy availability um and what that means is essentially we have limited energy available for bodily functions so our energy availability is the amount of energy we have available after things like training walking cardio all of that the stuff that's left over and our menstrual cycle function it's a very energy expensive process so our body will sacrifice that essentially to keep us alive so when we have limited energy available our body will be like right okay we don't need menstrual cycle function she's not going to be producing babies anytime soon and we need to keep her alive But there are a lot of negatives to that that go far beyond our ability to get pregnant. And I think that's what's overlooked because a lot of people, when they're dieting for photo shoots or they're competing in bodybuilding, they'll have the mindset of, well, I don't want kids right now, so it's fine. I'll sort that later. But they completely overlooked things like the effects on bone mineral density that that can have. Um, And also 
something which isn't often mentioned is that when we do spend a, a long period of time in a state of low energy availability and we sacrifice menstrual cycle function it makes us more prone to these irregularities and uh, the shutdown of menstrual cycle function again. So we have much less resilience to things like dieting. Um, and then a lot of people, once they have restored menstrual cycle function, if they ever want to push their limits with training again or they want to diet again, they'll often find that they're much more prone to experiencing these negative effects again. So that can be quite hard. And I've actually had a lot of clients who've really struggled with that because they wanted to push their limits with training. But whenever they do it, they see their menstrual cycle function have be impacted. They either have irregular or absent cycles. Um, and they know the ne- they're very aware of obviously the negative effects that can come with that now. So it's quite it's quite scary. And when you as a woman this probably applies to men as well but as a woman when you haven't got a cycle or your cycle is irregular it's quite a horrible feeling it kind of feels like you're broken and your body's working against you and not with you and it's it's not nice at all so it can send people into a bit of a panic if they have an irregular cycle or an absent cycle so I think the psychological effects of that are quite under talked about so to speak um but yeah so we we essentially lose our cycles due to spending that period of time in a state of low energy availability and or in combination with stress which again is massively overlooked like people can lose their periods if they go through like periods of grief and things like that as well so stress has a huge impact on menstrual cycle function and people often overlook that yeah that's not spoke about enough for sure and those two are obviously very interconnected because you know dieting is obviously a stressor yeah um so i mean just kind of paint that picture a little bit if that's okay then like obviously you've got you're dieting because you're on prep, prep's kind of stressful, there's other yeah. lifestyle stress, like how, how do those things kind of all, all come together? Yeah, so it's it's just like a perfect storm of everything which creates that um, environment which our body is not able to function properly. Um, so yeah, it's just, it, it's a hard one and from personal experience as well, every single time I went into a prep, I lost my menstrual cycle almost immediately and I also was listening to a podcast from Victoria Felcar, who's brilliant. I don't know if you've heard of her. Yeah, of course. Um, and she was talking about the fact that obviously a lot of women are put on the pill quite early on. Yeah. She was talking about the impacts that that can have on someone's resilience to stress and resilience to um, the you know that being in that state of low energy availability as well and she was saying how they tend to be much more prone to losing their menstrual cycle or experiencing irregularities if they've been on things like birth control in the past or if you've like had a history of dieting from a young age and you know you've lost your period early on as well so that's something to take into account and stress is accumulated over time and there are many different forms of stress so people often don't recognize the fact that training is a stressor and obviously when we go into a fat loss phase um, especially if it's a bodybuilding prep we're often doing quite high volumes of training Um, and if it's a bodybuilding prep it's often pushed to train to failure very regularly so you've got a lot of physical stress and then you've also got the psychological stress of am I going to be ready in time Um, I'm stressing about whether I can eat my next meal on time. I'm stressing about fitting my cardio in, um, getting my work done. I'm stressing over, I don't know if you've got a work deadline as well as the prep. There's so many different things that will accumulate and have an impact on your overall health. Um, And then, like I said, the fact that you're in that state of low energy availability, which most people can't avoid going into 
in order to get stage lean. I think a lot of uh, coaches these days are like, they'll kind of show off. They'll use an example of a client who's managed to maintain a regular cycle throughout prep. And they're like, oh, look at this client. Like she's managed to stay healthy throughout her entire prep. And it's like, there are people who can do that, but they're usually outliers. And yeah. it's not a result of the prep protocols. It's their genetics and their predisposition, pre predispositions and their environment so that can be quite damaging I think for people to see because I really like you've said that yeah I've always found that really odd it's when so, I've read that like yeah it's like, that's so, not really anything to do with you as a coach I know it's literally nothing to do with the the prep or the coach and people will see that and they'll be like oh it is possible to prep healthily yeah. and this coach is amazing because they've managed to keep menstrual cycle function intact and it's like no that that's due to the client's predisposition their genetics um you know, their natural set point, that sort of thing. And, you know, you can't really control for all of that. So it's quite frustrating when you see that. And I think for anyone who is seeing it, just bear in mind that it's not down to the coach or the protocols, it's down to the individual. Especially if it's like their first diet, because they don't have what you just touched on, which which is this accumulation of stress on the body over years. So you might look at that as a guy, okay, well, I've done a few, I've done a few shows, my cycle's gone the last couple, okay, it's a problem with how I'm approaching it. Whereas actually that was just always going to happen as a result of the build-up of doing back-to-back seasons. Yeah. And I think another thing as well that I notice is a lot of people will think, oh, it's fine because post-show, my period always comes back when I reach this scale weight or at this amount of time post-show. But they fail to recognise that the more preps they do, the more time they spend in this high-stress low energy energy availability state the harder it's going to be to recover yeah and so it's not like their cycle's always going to come back at when they get to 60 kilos or you know two months post-show and I think a lot of people are a bit naive to that yeah 100 percent. I did quite a lot of digging into that and I found a couple of good research papers that were kind of showing it wasn't anything to do with body weight but like muscle mass and I think that that's like another like th- problems another thing that's often a problem in the industry is a lot of the biggest educators are guys and then right. you look at how they train, right? And you look at the information you're putting out, but there is a few things that obviously work differently in female physiology. And if you're a guy, it's probably a case of, yeah, you get your body weight back to whatever, maybe body fat percentage back to whatever, and everything's good again. But in females, it seems to be a little bit different and the amount of muscle mass like really impacts that as well. Right, so, which is why every show you might need to push that body weight number back up a little bit more than it previously was before because it takes a little bit longer maybe to build that muscle back on after if you're like, I'm exhausted from training, everything hurts a little bit, I'm in a low hormonal state. If you've lost your cycle, so obviously building muscle is going to take a little bit longer. Um, and just knowing that then can like help you to navigate that and be like, okay, cool. It's not real. I'm not really chasing this body weight here because then I used to see this a lot. Girls are like, I need to get back to this body weight. They chase that yeah. body weight. They'd gain a lot of body fat to get back to that body weight. They'd then be really unhappy with their body fat percentage. They'd then be stressed about the fact their cycle wasn't back, even though they were at the weight that they were when they started prep. And just because they didn't know that it maybe was also to do with the amount of muscle mass they had, we've now just got a, not a nice situation to be in, right? And yeah. I've had that conversation with like some pretty big bikini girls in the industry. Obviously, if you don't know that, then yeah, you're just going to chase scale weight at the expense of body fat. And then you're like, well, I haven't got my cycle back and I'm unhappy with my body composition. And then that's just a crap place to be because yeah. you've got neither, right? And then on top of that, going back to stress, you know, if someone does a prep and they go through a traumatic event or something during that prep, but then they still expect, oh, you know, like I'm going to get my my cycle back at this body weight. And after this period of time, you have to take into account you might have to wait a little bit longer this time around because of what you've been through and the, the compounding effects of that. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, that's such a valid point. I think it's so, so important to understand how individualised it can be because you're in quite like a, yeah, it's not always the best place from a mental wellbeing standpoint, is it? So you don't really want to have additional stresses because you expect something to occur at a certain way or a certain date. And then when that doesn't happen, it just causes more stress when actually it might just be that's how it is for you. Yeah. And I think with that in mind as well, a lot more people should take into account that doesn't make you any more or less of a person whether you compete or not and the stage is always going to be there so if you're really struggling through a prep say you're going through a really stressful event maybe just come out of the prep and do it at a later date if you can because you're not going to produce the best version of yourself getting on stage anyway when you're going through a really stressful period throughout prep and on top of that you're probably going to see much more much many more negative health effects as a result of that so is it really worth pushing through just for the sake of stepping on stage on this certain date or doing this specific show like can you just take a little bit of a break and come back to it yeah that's so cool that's so important i think a lot of people don't realize how stress and inflammation can affect obviously how they look especially when you're when you're stage lean so actually you might be doing yourself a disservice to how you place as well by actually just pushing through and and quitting whilst it's not really quitting but quitting for the sake of giving it a word is actually sometimes not a cop out at all it doesn't mean you failed it's actually the best thing for you and for your stage goals yeah a hundred percent and I think that was definitely me by the end of 2020 like I don't think that um my physique was looking its best I'd start to waste away a little bit yeah so then what's the point yeah you're not going to get the placing you deserve anyway. Exactly. And it's just going to be worse for you. So take a break, come back. Yeah, the stage isn't going anywhere. I love that. The yeah. sport's the sport's not going anywhere. Um, so I think, yeah, you've just done an amazing job of kind of explaining that situation that so many, so many women are in, whether it's because of contest prep or they're just dieting in general. So how do we kind of break that cycle? Obviously, there's a lot there. I think it can feel quite overwhelming, can't it? Yeah. And, and a little bit like, I don't know how to break this. Like, where would you kind of, if a client comes to you and that's kind of the situation they're in, they've maybe lost their cycle post-show um, or post-diet, they're maybe scared of gaining a little bit of body weight. Um, they don't really want to up their calories. Where do you, where do you start with that? First of all, I would remove as much stress as possible. And I think there's a lot to be said for working with a coach during that period of time so that you've got that support and you've got that guidance because it's so hard to be objective with yourself and it can just cause more stress if you're trying to make those decisions for yourself. And it's it's a hard process to go through. So if you're trying to coach yourself through this kind of process, you're probably going to hold yourself back it's going to take a lot longer than if you had guidance because you're probably not going to be willing to lean into the discomfort of doing what is necessary to get to that that good place where you feel your best so yeah work with a coach first and foremost if someone came to me in that scenario I would first have a chat with them and obviously discuss what they've been through where they're currently at and try and get them to think about why they're doing what they're doing and why doing the work that we're about to do because it's going to be uncomfortable why that's going to benefit their lives and get them to recognize the opportunities that present themselves through that process rather than focusing on the things that they feel like they have to sacrifice such as condition you know they're going to have to gain some body fat it can be a really really difficult process to go through if they're focused on that it's going to make the process so much harder whereas if they recognize okay there are so many opportunities that are going to present themselves through this process. Let's enjoy those. You know, I'm going to be able to be much more social. I am going to be able to have time for hobbies and activities that I've maybe never even tried before or have neglected for so long since my childhood. 
Um, I'm going to have time to actually invest in my friendships. I'm going to have time to enjoy foods that I probably haven't given myself permission to enjoy for a really long time. So I think, yeah, focusing on the opportunity that presents itself is so important for people in that position because it can seem incredibly daunting and it can seem quite a miserable process to go through when you've been so focused on things like being as lean as possible, your body weight, stepping on stage, everything being external appearance focused for so long and you've had this meticulous control for so long. It can be really uncomfortable to let go of that control. So yeah, focusing on the opportunity and I would also send them away to have a think about what they really value in life, you know, establish their core values. And if I get someone to do that as well, I also get them to write out underneath each core value an example of how they're going to act in line with that value each day. Um, so that they've actually got direction and it's not just like oh yeah I value connection (laughs) but it's like okay so how are you going to implement that into your life and make sure that you're acting in line with that so yeah establishing values recognizing the opportunity that's in front of them and also just making sure that they know what to expect they're going to have to gain body fat they're going to have to increase food they're going to have to decrease expenditure it's going to be uncomfortable Mm -hmm. like making sure that they recognize that is so important because if they don't once they feel that discomfort and they feel like things are going quote unquote wrong even though they're not they're going to really struggle to follow through whereas if they know to expect that discomfort and they know to expect those challenges they're going to be so much more likely to push through because they're going to see it as worth it they're going to know to expect that as a part of the process but they know where they're heading is worth that discomfort and they will get out of the other side of it and it can feel so like wonderful for people to get through that and so like liberating it's almost like letting go of chains because you're letting go of that control that you've had for so long and um the sort of control that maybe nutrition and training has had over you for such a long time as well so yeah focus on the opportunity that's present i love that that's such a great answer there's a few amazing points in there I really love that you highlighted a couple of times that it will be a bit uncomfortable and kind of need to lean into that discomfort. I think a lot of the time I see people expect it to be like, this should be easy because in theory it should be. You get to do a bit less, (laughs) eat a bit more. Like in theory, that's easier. And then as soon as it isn't easier for the individual, they think, okay, I'm kind of broken. I'm not doing this properly because this should in theory be easier and it's actually not easier for me. So just knowing that it's not easier in a way and it's absolutely fine that it will be uncomfortable for you. Um, I think that, that in itself is quite empowering. A hundred percent. And another thing I didn't mention there actually is just recognising the new measures of progress that we're going to use moving forwards and switching the focus. Because especially if someone's come out of a background of doing transformations or like Um, bodybuilding shows they've probably throughout years been using progress pictures scale weight maybe measurements um posing videos as their measure of progress so it's like okay we don't they're not relevant anymore not the right tool no it's not the right tool so let's focus on other things like one thing that i'll get my clients to do when they first come on board with me is fill in an initial questionnaire and a few of the questions are like how do you feel your body images right now on a scale of zero to ten and give them examples like zero being horrendous can't stand the sight of myself in the mirror my thoughts around my body are really negative and then ten is great like I love my body you know I fully accept myself as I am um and then we'll do that again further into the coaching process to see how far they've come um and that can be a really good tool to measure progress as well as things like menstrual cycle function and things like that as well as just you know the standard things rather than focusing on scale weight and 
progress pictures accessibly. I still do with some clients use progress pictures, especially if they do have body composition related goals, which is fine. Um, but it's just not the focus area and they don't need to be doing it every single week. Yeah, 100%. I love that you said that. I actually had a call uh, last night with a girl and she's trained like, on and off for years. And so she literally just expected, she was like, cool, well, I'll, I'll grab some progress pics and send them over. Like just as a passing comment, because in her mind, it was just like the expectation, yeah. right? And I was like, no, 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 no. She was like, what do you mean? She's like, how are we going to measure progress? And I was like, say your goals like back to me, like just su- summarize what we've just spent you know, 45 minutes talking about. And then she like said, you know, like, yeah, I'm not happy with my body image and I'm, I'm underway and I need to up my calories. I need to get my cycle back. So what one of those is related? Like what one of those can we measure with progress pictures? She was like, oh yeah. yeah. I was like, well, should I get rid of your scale too? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Scale weight's another one, I think. A lot of people have a really strong attachment to it. So it's really difficult to initially remove it. But one thing I'll say to people is, right, okay, let's remove your scale weight for two weeks. If you feel worse after doing that, I'll let you bring it back in. But if you feel better, the deal is that we keep it out, okay? I like that. <laughs> and just see how they get on because then they know it's not per- It doesn't have to be permanent. Two weeks, just see how you feel. If you feel better, let's continue without your scale weight. No, that's really cool. Nice little like compromises yeah. as well. And most people feel better when they're not jumping on it. So I yeah. imagine the scale doesn't come back in often, does it? No, I don't think I've had one circumstance where it's actually come back in. Yeah. <laughs> but no, that's like, I just want to highlight how important that is because I still see so many coaches using scale weight and progress photos of every client by default because they just don't, they just think that's what they should do. But it's like, what is the client's goals and can you actually measure those goals with those things? And sometimes it's not the right tool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, that that was like such a great answer. I think going back to when you said about um, they were kind of like you get a client's journaling on their values. One thing I, I loved that you said was like and, and underneath that, how you're going to actually like action that or like something you can do today. I thought that was really cool because otherwise it does sound a bit like wishy-washy, doesn't it? When you're talking about like journaling your values and that puts it into something that's very actionable. So I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, 100%. And it gives people direction and something to focus on rather than them being like, okay, yeah, this is my value, but what does that actually mean? Like, how can I actually use that? So I think it's a really, really valuable thing for people to do. And then you can also, if you do that, you can hold yourself, you can hold your clients accountable to, have you done this? Have you actually put this into practice? Have you been acting in line with that value in the way that you said you would? If not, let's let's go back and make sure that we're doing that or we recognize that maybe that actually wasn't so important to you and you have a different value, different set of values. Yeah, amazing. I'd love a little bit of insight into that. So if, if you're someone listening that's going, okay, cool, I'm kind of self-coaching myself through this journey. There's been loads of like really great tips here. Like how would they kind of like check in, reevaluate and, and reflect on this and kind of then inside that same answer. If you're a coach listening that's interested in like how you do that as a coach from like a check-in perspective, like what does that kind of check-in um, process look like? Yeah, so... I think it is client dependent and something that I quite like is I use a platform where I can personalize the check-in form to the client. Cool. So if someone, for example, is struggling with their body image, there will be a question that says, have you had any body image struggles this week? If so, how have you dealt with them? Um, you know, if they're a client who, going back to values, if they've been working on acting in line with their values so that they feel their best selves and they're heading in the direction that they want to head, one of the questions might be, how have you acted in line with this value this week? And that's a way that, you know, if someone's self-coaching, they could do that with themselves within journaling. Once a week, they could ask themselves the question of, how have I acted in line with my values this week? If not, how can I do so this week coming? And it's just that element of accountability and reflection that will really help make sure that they're heading in the direction they want to head. 
Um, and like I said, people can do that with themselves, within journaling, coaches, include it in your check-in forms, ask your clients about these things um, and talk to them about aspects of the coaching process beyond just training, nutrition, energy expenditure, all of these things. So yeah, journaling is a great tool. Even just talking to your friends, if you want to have a conversation with someone close to you and say, do you want to hold each other accountable to this? Like what, you know, share your values maybe. It might lead to a deeper connection with a friend, which could be great if you don't have a coach to work with. So yeah, maybe you use your friend for accountability or something like that. But from a coaching perspective, I just make sure that I'm talking to my clients regularly and they have questions relevant to what they're working on in their check-in form and that I check in with them and ask what their values are. And I have that initial Q&A that says their values when they started with me. And we can come back to that every now and again and reassess. Because I think it's really important to recognise that your values can change throughout your life. And that's okay. You might go through a period where you're bodybuilding. One of your core values is actually aesthetics. That's okay. You might come out of that and that might change. Yeah, no, exactly. Perfect. If, if someone, I've, I've got two questions from that, actually. That, that was amazing. Um, if you, do you ever kind of have issues where you get clients to really like struggle, um, sorry, do you ever struggle to get clients to open up about these kind of conversations? Like they're expecting a little bit more macros this, training that, and they don't really want to kind of engage in these types of conversations and, and answer these types of questions? Yes, sometimes. And I don't, just for the record, I don't make every client do things like journaling. For some people it doesn't work and that's okay. It's about recognising what tools work for the individual and utilising those and making sure the clients stay stay consistent with those. So yeah, not every client journals. I don't force anyone to do anything. If someone I feel like needs to open up a little bit more but they're not willing at first, they're a little bit resistant to it, I'll take a really steady approach and to start with I won't force them to open up about anything but it might be that I'll just drop the odd question in as time goes on. And as they learn that they can trust me and there's no judgment from me whatsoever and then encourage them to open up over time rather than from day one being like, tell me all of your values, tell me how you're going to act in line with them, you know, tell me about your personal life. Some people don't want to do that, that's okay, but just maybe try and nurture them over time um, or find ways in which you might be able to encourage them to open up to themselves and then they can start to work through those things in their own company as opposed to feeling like they have to share it with you and they might then feel open to sharing things with you further down the line yeah no amazing that's really cool I mean what what would that potentially look like I know obviously I'm it's going to vary a lot depending on the person but what would some like tips be to give someone to become a little bit more vulnerable and have those conversations with themselves yeah I think first of all if someone's really struggling like go seek therapy I've been to therapy myself um because actually being vulnerable was something that I really struggled with personally um so that helped me massively because it just provided a safe space for me to share my emotions and it was an absolute game changer so yeah if someone's really struggling go and seek therapy or something along those lines but um if you're not severely struggling or you just want to get started on your own or maybe you can't afford therapy then things like just you know journaling can help like I said asking yourself the question are there any feelings or emotions coming up right now and if so where are they stemming from and just trying to get in touch with that you can use something called the feelings wheel as well to help you identify different feelings and emotions 
because a lot of people aren't aware of what they're feeling whereas if they see you know the different emotions and feelings out in front of them and what they can be related to it can help them establish what they're feeling um and also like just checking in with your your body physically um and asking yourself how do I feel physically do I feel tense do I feel relaxed that sort of thing can really help um and you know practicing mindfulness and actually making space and time to feel is super important because I think that's the reason a lot of people struggle with being vulnerable and expressing their emotions and things because they don't actually allow themselves the time to do yeah, that they don't have time yeah. yeah so that's that's one of the issues yeah. you need to actually make time to just be still and yeah. allow yourself to express those things i'm too busy to feel yeah. it sounds a bit silly doesn't it when you say it like that like, i don't have time or it's unco- it is uncomfortable yeah. yes it is but it vulnerability is a strength it's not a weakness and i think recognizing that is super important yeah, 100%. Another point you said, which I thought was great, was, you know, sometimes it might be um, more comfortable to kind of have this conversation with a friend rather than a coach or if you're not yeah. working with a coach. If someone doesn't feel like they've got a friend which they can maybe have these conversations with, is there any advice you'd give for kind of like forming new connections or finding a new community? Do you know what? This is funny you ask this because I keep getting asked this question on Instagram. People are like, how really? do you meet people? How have you like gone out? Because I've met a lot of people, I think in my 20s as opposed to growing up with like my closest friends um my best friend Lydia we met in the gym okay and I actually went up to her (laughs) in the gym and just started a conversation because um she actually does go out with my kind of step cousin and they were in the gym and she she was training with them so I just went up to her and I was like oh hey like I kind of knew of her because everyone in Sheffield kind of knows of each other in the fitness industry um so yeah we started a conversation and then we became very close very quickly and we're now best friends so I think again you're just gonna have to get outside of your comfort zone but just start conversations and ask yourself what have you got to lose by starting a conversation with somebody and if you're too scared to do it in person drop them a message on social media or just I don't know drop them a comment or something or react to their story and maybe start a conversation um and ask yourself if someone reached out to me and said oh by the way like let me know if you fancy it grabbing a coffee sometime or if they started a conversation how would you react because a lot of the time it would be positively and you'd really appreciate that so flip that on its head and don't be afraid to reach out to other people um and like I said if you're too scared to do it in person just drop them a dm or something because yeah you've got nothing to lose and if they ignore your dm so what yeah at least you put yourself out there but yeah yeah, I think going to you know the gym's a great place or going to I used to go to pole dancing that was great for like meeting people and um yoga you know any group classes or anything like that are great in Manchester there are there's um a network called Manchester Young Professionals and they run events for yeah, young cool. professionals. I've seen you event, tag them yeah. stories. They run events for young professionals in Manchester. So I've met quite a lot of new people through that and that's been great. Um cool. I've met people in coffee shops. Like, <laughs> yeah, just you've got to be open minded yeah. to it though. And you can't be headphones in all the time looking down at your phone. Like open yourself up to new connections by taking your earphones out, yeah, so making important. sure that you're looking up, you're actually engaging with people. If you're ordering a coffee, actually talk to the person you're ordering a coffee from. Little things like that, I think that's why people struggle to connect these days because they're not opening themselves up to it. I love that answer. That's the reason I'm smiling so much is it's the biggest, like when you've lived somewhere like Phuket where I spent a few years, that's just the default. Yeah. Like no one really has headphones in in the coffee shops. Like most people have gone there by themselves. 
it's when you're there and you're not Thai, you're kind of a minority. So you just instantly have something in common, even if the other person's like American, Australian, Scandinavian. Um, and you're all there for like something health and fitness related. So like that's just life there. Yeah. But like here, you come back here and it's like no one talks to, to anyone. <laughs> I must admit it's worse here than up north. Yeah, it's every um, time I go to Manchester, <laughs> I'm like, I love this city. Yeah, people talk to each other much more often up north, like in Manchester especially. Um but again like here i think if you were just a bit more open to connection you'd probably have more um but yeah i think do you know what you mentioned Phuket? like i think traveling helps as well like if people can push themselves to go places on their own you're more likely to speak to people yeah, got um, no choice <laughs> yeah you've literally got no choice so i've kind of yeah i went a few places on my own last year which was really really good and you just learn to get over it and talk to people yeah yeah so if you can't move up north from the south <laughs> then go traveling instead yeah just come up north and then yeah. if not yeah. get yourself off to thailand it's laugh, but like it's a, <laughs> there's a girl i'm friends with actually she's she's great and it's funny because that story you said a minute ago was like the exact same thing between two girls that i was friends with and i was friends with both of them and i noticed that they were like hanging out i was like oh how did you just start chatting and this one girl was like i literally just loved how this girl lifts and i just walked up to her in the gym and was yeah. like hey like literally just said i think we should be friends oh <laughs> i've friends. got another story actually a girl in the we have communal workspaces in our apartment building so i was working in one of the communal spaces and there was two a guy and a girl sat next to me and they were talking about some kind of app and they were talking about fitness, something fitness related. So I was like, oh, hey guys, do you mind me asking what you do? <laughs> and just started yeah, the conversation that. and now me and Lauren are friends. Um, so again, just talk to people and express your interest um, and put yourself out there. Yeah, 100%. Ironically, if you're dieting really hard, you're probably not going to have the energy or no. the confidence to do yeah, that are so just you? stop dieting so it becomes a little bit of a vicious cycle doesn't it so yeah, yeah. maybe just stop dieting that's that you tend to, to that is a really good point though you do tend to isolate yourself when yeah. you're dieting and that's not good for our health to um live in isolation and neglect connection so yeah i think that yeah that environment is is so so key like something that i kind of forgot about and i basically i was working at essentially a crossfit box and then right. i left there I train my clients out of a different gym now 10 minutes away and it's like a bodybuilding gym great gym great equipment lovely people and all you hear is like I'm not allowed beetroot on my plan and it's just like I kind of forgot this world existed yeah and the entire conversation is always about aesthetics and prep this and like what whey powder are you having and it's like oh have you seen trained by JP's new cream of rice flavor and I'm just like oh my god and like that's obviously absolutely fine if that's what you want to do there's nothing wrong with that I just literally forgot that world existed and what it made yeah. me realize was I'm hearing all these like girls in particular talk about I'm overhearing it when I'm there like trying to do a check-in between clients or whatever on my laptop and I'm hearing these conversations and a lot of them are like are quite sad they're kind of like what we've been talking about today and having come from a crossfit box where like there is zero conversation about aesthetics yeah and even if we do talk about body weight it's literally in the context of if i weigh a bit less my gymnastics would be better <laughs> or, yeah. or i'd be able to run faster or, or i need to lose some weight to be better at high rocks like if there's ever a weight gain or a weight loss goal it's literally for performance it's not for aesthetics yeah. and i don't think i quite appreciated how much of a healthier environment that was because the conversation's all just about okay yeah it can still be extreme it can still be unhealthy but it's no one there has you know 
know, body image issues really. No one there's really worried about their body fat percentage. Like they're all there talking about how many calories per hour you're pulling on the rower. And yeah. I've come to this bodybuilding gym and it's just really highlighted for me, like how important I think it is that if you are struggling with this, you should maybe even like try and remove yourself from like where you train and who you train with. Because some of the conversations yeah. I'm hearing are like so toxic and I just forgot that world existed. That's what I, I personally moved away from the bodybuilding gym immediately in 2020 when I finished that prep. Um, and initially I moved to a gym that was kind of high-end commercial slash bodybuilding so a bit of a mixture of the two but again it was just really refreshing for me to move to that and then I also went to a CrossFit box um, which yeah very refreshing and loved that but something somebody said to me they were like you can't heal in the, the same environment yeah, that made you that sick made, yeah and I was like, yeah, that's so true. So I just moved. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, when they said that, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah okay, I need to move. <laughs> I actually have got a, a caption typed up in notes with that exact, yeah, uh, that exact saying based on the fact. I think it was like two days ago. It was when this woman was like, I'm not allowed beetroot, and she was saying about how her blood pressure is really high, right? Um, and I see her like grinding out really horrible sets on the leg press. And I'm like, probably shouldn't be doing that if you're on prep with high blood pressure. Yeah. And then this guy was like, to her, oh, you should add beetroot in for your blood pressure. And she was like, I'm not allowed beetroot. And I was just like, what am I listening to? Um, and I actually wrote a little caption up about what I kind of just explained there and maybe changing your environment. And that is the exact, that's the exact phrase, the exact saying that I put in, in notes in my yeah, phone. I love it. Um, and I think it's, it's really useful for so many people in so many different situations. So yeah, love that saying. Yeah. I think a lot of these, like a lot of the things we're saying, they sound a little bit drastic, don't they? Which puts a lot of people off. Like I need to change gyms or I need to go traveling or I need to sign up to a new young networks, like professional, you know, network or community. Like they often sound quite drastic, but it's like, what's the alternative? Like if you're yeah. not happy and your health's not great, then maybe you do need to do something that's a bit drastic. A hundred percent. And it's like I said, it's uncomfortable. These things, but nothing good comes from just staying in your comfort zone like you've mm -hmm. got to I know that's really cliche but you've got to push yourself out of it and you if you want to you know if you want to progress in life you've got to learn to get a little bit uncomfortable at times yeah 100 percent, 100 percent. what are you up to at the moment you've got another high rocks planned how is your own training going what are you personally working towards so I haven't got another high rocks planned and I'll tell you why it's because it's quite relevant is that I didn't come on period for the first time since I competed when I was training for high rocks. Oh. Um, I was fine when I was training for doubles. Absolutely fine, did doubles, cool. But then I started training for individual high rocks and my sessions started to get longer and more intense. Um, and I, I tend to train in the morning, so after not too much fuel. I do have something, but after not too much and it just suits my life and... I was like, right, okay, I can either go down the route of starting to track my food again, making sure that I'm overfeeding, um, starting to train later in the day, you know, restructuring my day, that sort of thing. Or I can actually just take a step back from high rocks. So I took a step back from high rocks because I'm in such a great place with food, my body and training now. Like, I feel like I've got this great sort of, I hate the word, but balance of everything and I just don't want to sacrifice that again I don't want to get back into meticulously tracking my food I don't want to get back into structuring my day around training and all of these things so actually pursuing that goal was not worth it for me if it was going to potentially sacrifice menstrual cycle function and that comes back to what I was saying earlier about me being much less resilient to stress whether that be psychological or physical because I've lost my menstrual cycle in the past and I've pushed my body to such an extreme. So 
it, yeah, the sacrifice just wasn't worth it for me and I decided to take a step back. So no high rocks. My training is now just um, a mixture of, I do a bit of running, I do some resistance training, mainly just glute hamstring focused stuff, to be completely honest. And I do some functional work and it's mainly just for health, fitness and to make me feel good. And then to maintain the condition that I'm in essentially and maintain the muscle mass that I've got. But I'm not trying to like grow maximally or anything like that. And I'm much more relaxed around my training than I ever have been, which is wonderful. Um, so yeah, that's that's me personally. I'm just kind of happy maintaining and yeah. being like healthy and happy. And then Love that. yeah, professionally, me and Charlie have the Flourishing Society, which has been going actually for a year now. Um, so that's been great. And we have just launched our course for coaches, which is a mentorship course called the Flourishing Coach. And it's essentially where we help cli- help coaches help their clients with their body image relationship with food, menstrual cycle function and overall health. And we are also creating quite a tight-knit community as a part of it because we're having like group Zoom calls where people can bring client case studies and that sort of thing. So we've got that running at the moment and we're launching a second course later in the year, which is called The Flourishing Lifestyle, which we're really excited for. We're running events as a part of that. And I also have my own one-to-one coaching service, which I love. A lot going on. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. love that. Um, before we kind of get into the, the the business stuff, just quickly, I'd love to say, yeah, thank you for sharing that regarding kind of high rocks in your own cycle. I think that'd be really valuable for people to hear, yeah. especially since it, it just shows we're not bashing bikini comp prep necessarily. <laughs> no. It can happen even if you're not yeah. on, on comp prep. Um, so yeah, thank you for, for sharing that. Um, but yeah, no, there's a few amazing things that you're up to business-wise. So um, feel free to tell people where they can find out a little bit more about all of them. So if you're a potential client listening um, and then if you're a coach listening. Yeah, so if you're... I mean, you can all head to the same place, really. So my Instagram is Danny Bosworth, probably the best place to go. And then the link in my link tree will take you to everywhere else. And the Flourishing Society is on Instagram as the Flourishing Dot Society. Um, and you're welcome to DM me at any point. I don't bite, I promise. So, yeah. Yeah, and that's honestly true because I DM'd you being like, hey, Danny, yeah. <laughs> you, don't, you, don't <laughs> so, know, you don't know me, but I just fancy doing a podcast, so, yeah. <laughs> which I really appreciate you saying saying yes to. So, uh, yeah, if you're listening, then um, take Danny up on that offer. The DMs are genuinely open. So, yeah, yeah, thank you for being here. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Um, obviously, we covered a lot of like really amazing things there. Is there anything you feel like we missed or you wanted to, to add in just to kind of round that off? I think we covered everything really nicely there. Um, I'd just say, like, as a takeaway make sure that you do what's right for you you trust your intuition I'm, I'm real really strong finish i love that to round it off um obviously you've just listed off where people can find you already so that's perfect obviously we'll make sure all of that is in the show notes so yeah thank you so so much for being here dan i really appreciate your time um i think that's a really important conversation i'm really excited for people to hear it and i'm, I'm sure you'll kind of get some questions on the back of it cool thank you so much for having me you're welcome thank you